Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, folks. Brian here. Uh, before the show starts, I wanted to let you know my recording software used my computer's internal microphone, not my actual microphone for the recording tonight so the sound's a little bit different than usual it shouldn't be too bad but i wanted to give you a heads up enjoy hello mets fans Welcome back to Amazing Avenue Audio, the show. I am Brian. With me, as always, is Chris. We are past the trade deadline for Major League Baseball. It is approximately five and a half hours after the trade deadline passed. And uh, Chris, no real news today, no real news yesterday, but there was enough news Sunday and Monday to keep us going for a bit. The biggest news is that we have a new Met. His name is Marcus Stroman. I don't think any of us saw this coming until the rumors started leaking out there that they were interested in Stroman. I still think it's a weird move, but I'm starting to really enjoy thinking about what this could mean. And so, just, you know, obviously trades are not made in a vacuum, but in a vacuum, what do you think about the Mets getting Marcus Stroman? It was a pleasant surprise. Uh, it's a cool thing to go, okay. <laughs> we kind of thought they were going to do one thing coming into all this and they did not the total opposite, but they went and got a guy who maybe the blue Jays weren't totally crazy about trading him to the Red Sox or the Yankees or the Rays. It's always a little weird 
and obviously we'll touch a little bit on this too, uh, but it's always weird t- uh, trading within the division. That being said, uh, I don't know. I From our own prospect guys, from uh, the, some former Amazing Avenue prospect folks, uh, one of whom uh, used to host this podcast. <laughs> I, I wonder who you could be talking about, Rob Cast? I, <laughs> yes, I, I emailed Rob to check in. Um, but they just didn't give up that much. And you never know with prospects. It could end up being something totally different. But it's uh, it, they didn't give up that much in Anthony Kay. And with Woods Richardson, it's he's young, he's exciting that he that he's played at the levels that he has, and uh, you know they had promoted him. He didn't actually pitch yet in St. Lucie, but they had promoted him up there before they traded him. There's some intrigue there, but based on everything that I've read and heard from all of those guys who pay attention to this stuff on a daily basis, they didn't really give up that much. And the national consensus uh, on, you know, the two of them, neither one was a top 100 prospect. And that doesn't always mean anything. You can be in the top 10 and not pan out. You could be Jacob deGrom and be under the radar and, skip all of that and then come up and be one of the best at what you do. But generally it wasn't really thought that they gave up too much. So Stroman wasn't a guy I really looked too hard into because I didn't think even when that weird thing came up, Oh, they're thinking of trading Syndergaard to the Padres and then using part of that return to get Stroman, which was just, as I wrote on the site, galaxy brain shit. <laughs> um, yeah. Even at that point, I didn't really think they were going to do it. And then they just went out and got him. And it was kind of like, okay. Uh, and it sets them up nicely. It's only one more year of control, but it set them up where they have a pretty great rotation. It's not quite as flashy as what the Astros have now after getting Granky and adding him to Cole and Verlander. Uh, it's, it's not quite that star-studded at the top, but I think Stroman's probably a little bit better of a pitcher than he's gotten credit for, and I would personally consider him uh, the clear number three Agreed. out of the five pitchers that the Mets have right now. Um, anybody who's read the site or listened to the podcast, I think, knows that I have not been worried about Syndergaard having a high ERA for a few months. Um, he, to me, he's clearly second best. I find, this was the year that I finally said, all right, DeGrom's going to have the better ERA of the two <laughs> because I just need to acknowledge that that's happening uh, on an annual basis. But, but yeah, it, I don't know. I, I'm not I'm, – I'm into it. It puts some life into – how I'm going to watch this team over the next couple of weeks, maybe the next couple of months. Uh, I'm not reaching out to try to buy a ticket plan for the rest of the season right now. I wouldn't be surprised if somebody tries to get you to buy one though. I don't know. I might, maybe I'm blacklisted for all I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I'll go to get one and they'll be like, Nope. And then I'll be like, all right, um, have my wife try to get it and yeah. then be like, Nope, same address. No good. 
Um, yeah, but we're, we're probably, if they get back to or over 500, we're probably not that far from them coming up with some, uh, what they did in 2015, which is when I got hooked back on the ticket plan uh, for three seasons before bailing or four. Oh God, that was too long. Uh, <laughs> but w- what they had done in 2015 was basically Cespedes comes over, they just go on a roll, and a week or two into August, they say essentially buy a season ticket for the rest of the current season. And, and guaranteed playoff tickets, right? Right. So they had done that. Whether or not they do that again, uh, I don't know. But I could see them sort of saying. All right, two weeks from now, they're over 500. They're in the mix. Uh, put down your deposit for a ticket plan next season, and whatever level of uh, of ticket plan that you're doing will give you that access to playoff tickets for this year. It's, I don't know. I, I, I try not to view everything through the lens of the Mets selling tickets, but it's definitely part of the whole operation. And... Yeah, I mean, I also think we're a long way away from a playoff celebration here. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's. Uh, I mean, I, for a couple of weeks now, I fully acknowledge it's ridiculous that we're even talking about this. <laughs> but it, it's not as ridiculous as it was a week ago. It right. It, it really wasn't, and that's so. That's you know, again, looking at this sort of in a vacuum. I think that both getting Stroman and keeping Wheeler will make for better baseball down the stretch, right? In terms of my, if, if we're only looking at this from like Brian's personal enjoyment watching the game, I would much rather watch Stroman and Wheeler pitch than, you know, Flexen or, I don't know, insert quad A guy here, right? Uh, it, it makes for much better baseball. I think that the National League East is a bad enough division this year that if the Mets got hot, it wouldn't be crazy to see them challenge for the wild card in that division, you know, or at least at least challenge the Phillies for a spot for the wild card in that division. Um, not in the, I keep saying in that division as if there's a National League East wild card. I know there's not listeners. Don't don't tweet me. What I mean is that <laughs> there aren't a lot of teams in front of them in the division that I'm all that worried about. Is what I'm trying to say. Um, right. You know, and it just, it seems like, you know, weirder things have happened than than teams at this place, this point in the season with this record making a run for it. Even if they don't get there, it'll at least make the last two months of the season fun to watch. And that's that's really good. Um, what What I'm still kind of unsure about is what the Mets' game plan is for this season and beyond at this point. I think that this is the selling Vargas makes total sense. No one's going to argue with selling Vargas. He was going to be a free agent, blah, blah, blah. But not selling Wheeler seems like something you would only do if you believed there was a shot for this season. Because what's, what's the up? What's the reason to keep Wheeler for the rest of the season if you're not making a playoff push? Can you think of one? Um, 
I guess, well, I guess just out of principle, you could. Okay, we're not going to get a, a great return. We're not going to get a good return. We're going to get something that's going to amount to uh, not much more than the Vargas return, right? Uh, so we just don't want to. So there's that aspect of what you're mentioning going for it. Uh, you at least maintain the ability to, to give them a qualifying offer. And then you uh, it, you have more time to negotiate with him if you want to avoid the qualifying offer process and just say, hey, look, we really want to keep you around. We've got most of these guys are around for at least two more years, Stroman one, uh, but we really think that would be a great rotation. And maybe they work out a deal that avoids that process entirely. Whether or not they're thinking of doing any of those things, at least you have a little more flexibility. Um, one nice thing, I guess, if you had traded him was that he'd be a free agent. And from his perspective, he couldn't get a qualifying offer under those circumstances. So he'd be out there and you could, if you really wanted him to be that guy to fill your rotation, you can go and try to get him to come back. Uh, and we've, we've seen it. It's not super common, but obviously we saw it with Familia. Uh, and it happens every once in a while around baseball. But, yeah, it's I, – I kind of like that rather than go to the extreme of everybody who's got an expiring contract will just take somebody and they are unlikely – to have an impact at the major league level. I kind of like the other extreme of asking for too much for everybody. <laughs> sure. At, at least out of principle. Like I like overall at the trade deadline that nobody just gave the Yankees a player. Right. You should ask the Yankees for a lot. They have a lot to give. Right. They're <laughs> and it's not just, oh, the big bad Yankees and they're the only team with money and all that. That's That's not the reality of baseball. Uh, at this point in time, but they are, uh, they're loaded. They're loaded with talent. They do have and spend a lot of money on payroll. Um, and they, they shouldn't be criticized for that, but yeah. So I'm kind of glad nobody just flipped them a starting pitcher and, and, and called it a day. Right. Yeah. I agree with that. Um, and you know, look, if the Mets do want to negotiate with Wheeler and work out an extension, I think that's that's absolutely fine. That's a good thing to do, possibly. But I can't see them offering Wheeler an $18 million qualifying offer. Can you? I I think, I, I think I'm with you on that because they'd be so afraid of him accepting. <laughs> well, exactly. You know, an $18 million for one year is a lot of money no matter how you shake it. And a lot of money for a guy who's been good, but hasn't been $18 million good. I mean, that's more than DeGrom's making next year, isn't it? Uh, I think, I forget how DeGrom's contract goes up. I know I know, it gets there, but it would put him in the ballpark of DeGrom, regardless. Right, and, and he's not DeGrom. No, uh, I like him just fine, but he certainly is not Jacob DeGrom. Very few are. Right. So yeah, I mean, look and look. This is not about 
<laughs> this is not one of those bizarre to me fan rants about saving an ownership an ownership group money. Like it's this is not about the Wilpons shouldn't offer Zach Wheeler eighteen million dollars. I'm saying the Wilpons won't offer him that money because right. the Wilpons are cheap. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. It, clearly, uh, if Zach Wheeler can get eighteen million somewhere, then hell yeah. Yeah. Uh, go good for, for it, him. Man. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. But yeah, you, you kind of have to always walk this line of knowing that paying him 18 million wouldn't be the worst thing in the world uh, in terms of what he might be able to give you. He, he might be able to be worth that uh, if he has a season better than this one, but you know, he doesn't have to be a Cy Young or anything to, to be worth that, but you, you can know that. And then you can also know if they offer him that and he accepts, get ready for a winter of, nobody being affordable <laughs> right exactly like if if zach wheeler is out of the picture and he's not on the roster at all i also don't expect them to go after uh cole and try to get him to come in and pay him what he would need uh as a the premier pitching free agent so yeah yeah i don't know i mean look like i said in in terms of my enjoyment watching the games, th- these are good developments, right? These meet this means better pitching. It means no Jason Vargas. And al- although I have to say, before he went Neanderthal and threatened a reporter, I was starting to warm to Vargas just because I think there's something endearing about a guy who clearly does not have the stuff he once had that is just able to get by with smoke and mirrors. He was, he was becoming a much like, not just a poor man, but like a man who has no concept of money. That man's Bartolo Colon, you know, just, just the guy who, who, who keeps throwing despite the fact that he should be, people should be hitting him left and right. And he's surviving. I, I like to root for that kind of player. That that's, that's my kind of player sometimes. But the minute that you threaten violence to a reporter, you know, fuck off. You're gone. You're 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 dead to me. So I'm not heartbroken about Vargas being gone. And I have to say, like, you know, if you look at the major league team, just the major league team, it looks like they essentially pulled off a Vargas for Stroman swap. Right? You're 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 losing Vargas in the rotation, you're gaining Stroman. I don't see how you can look at that and think that's bad. Just for the Major League product, this is a much, much better person to be starting every fifth day than Jason Vargas. And and I, and I think to complement that point, uh, not having that temptation, I think we brought it up last week, right? The Okay, the buyout is $2 million, so it's really one year. $6 million, is Jason Vargas worth that? that's gone <laughs> There's, yep. there, you've eliminated this temptation that you might have although given the circumstances it seems like they were happy to part with him uh but two months further out from threatening tim healy uh maybe two months more of cromulent pitching performance and 
you might get tempted by that. So that, that to me is good, that there's no temptation to say, all right, we're going to allocate that. He's got a rotation spot. We're paying him. That's not their team option anymore. If the Phillies want to do that, great. If he hits free agency, I don't think there's going to be any strong push by the Mets to go get him back. Uh, Especially after he was reportedly telling people he wanted to be traded away. Oh, I missed that. Oh, yeah. he uh, Apparently he was telling his friends he wanted to be traded. Yeah, well. So, and look, I can I blame <laughs> him? Not necessarily. But, like, you don't want that stuff to hit the press. That just, nobody benefits from that. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree with you. Just just to remove the temptation of bringing him back is a an excellent side effect <laughs> to trading him away. Um, yeah. And we should mention the return they got for Vargas was... was practically nothing and you know i got a uh a less than kind email from a reader about my piece about uh about the return that they got and i just want to say i am not criticizing the return the mets got for vargas because i don't believe that they could have gotten anything much better for him this is not me saying you know that this is hashtag brody's mess or anything like that this is this is the reality of trading a rental player at the tail end of his career who wasn't that great to begin with. You get Austin uh, Austin Bossert when you when you trade that guy at this point. You know, this is not we will never get to 2011 again. We will never get the next Zach Wheeler for half a season of Car- for not even have for 3 months of Carlos Beltran. Right? That's never going to happen again. And so these are the type of trades that happen. So I was not criticizing the Mets for making this move. I was simply saying that the return that they got was nothing all that special. And I I, I stand by that statement. Um, Yeah. (laughs) I will also say that, of course, he played baseball with Jeff Wilpon's son at, at UPenn. Of course he did. Like that's, yep. The, it's just it's 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 too perfect. But of course he did, and uh, yeah, I mean, look, he he's not on the team anymore. We don't have to sit through his laboriously long and frustrating starts anymore. We have to watch Marcus Stroman, who is you know who's not Cy Young, but he's certainly not Jason Vargas either. So, I'm pretty pleased with the way that this turned out in the short term. But let's talk for just a second here about the long term. Do you think that the Mets reasonably believe they have a shot of contending this year? Hmm. I I don't know. It's hard to say. I they've certainly talked it up with the way everything played out. And they might they they, they might believe, as they have for much of the season, that they are capable of it. So hey, we if we believe in these players we think there's been some underperformance. Why wouldn't we still believe in them now? Uh, I think that's that's possible. It's probably hard to really decipher which part of it is the message they're getting out there to the rest of the baseball world and Mets fans, and and which part of it is um, something that they really think. So I, I don't know. Uh, in the sense of this two wild card thing is crazy, and anything can happen. <laughs> yes. 
I think unless you're the Marlins, um, and maybe there's one or two other teams that have joined them in the National League since, you, you might be able to say, hey, we're, we're a good 10-game stretch away from being... Relevant. Right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's but it, you look around the league and Arizona traded a great pitcher away at a time when they – did they still have a winning record coming into today? They might have. <laughs> they might have, yes. Uh, but they were more relevant in the wild card mix than the Mets were, and they traded away a legitimately great player. Who, but Just as a tangent on Greinke, I feel like he's going to be absolutely phenomenal in Houston. Yes. Uh, it's it's one of those matches that you go like, oh, how did that not happen sooner? <laughs> I think he's going to have the Mike Messina on the Yankees moment now. Where mm. everyone's like, where'd this guy come from? And people who right. really pay attention are like, no, he's been doing this for years now. It's just that you're going to watch him pitch in the World Series this year. Right. Um, he never pitched in the World Series before, did he? Um... As soon as I said that, I thought, well, maybe, maybe he pitched in the World Series you know, I don't think so. I don't think so either. The Royals weren't good when he was there. Milwaukee didn't make it to the World Series. His brief stint with the Angels. Oh, um... No? You know why he didn't pitch in the World Series? Because of the Mets. That's the answer I was hoping for, baby. Yeah. That's why. <laughs> because, oh, oh, I remember something else I wanted to rant about. Like, when did we forget that Noah Syndergaard was already awesome at the major league level? <laughs> yeah, so let's talk about this for a minute. So we should we should say, and we're sorry for the uh, the sharp turn here, but, you know, th- th- there, there was a lot of talk about trading Syndergaard this week, and thank goodness they didn't do it. And if they try and do it again in the offseason, I'll be just as pissed then. But, you know, people were talking about Syndergaard like he hasn't lived up to his potential. And you and I were texting about this, and you said, like, does no one remember the 2015 NLDS? And I right. said, does no one remember the 2016 wildcard game? Like, Syndergaard has been great on a big stage already. He's done this. Right. And, he, and he's been great over the course of several major league seasons. He's, he's as you just said, he's done that on the big stage. He has been a superstar pitcher already. They're like, oh, unmet potential. Like, what? What? What, what are we talking about? I mean, sure, maybe he can be better, but how, you know how rare that is? Right, and I think we're a little spoiled <clears throat> by DeGrom just figuring out ways to get better and better and better. And we were spoiled by Harvey in terms of coming up and being great right away. Right. And so I think that you take those things in, the, in, the, in a combination and you get to the, uh, yeah, you get to this bullshit conclusion. Yeah, Syndergaard wasn't great. But since Syndergaard's career began, well, I, I want to make sure I get this correct. Uh, but since it began, he's been, I'm going to say off the top of my head, one of the top 20 pitchers, starting pitchers in baseball. And, I'll be more conservative and say top 30. Yeah, but it's, it, this year's ERA might skew it a little bit, but I'm going to look it up and find out. Uh, but either one of those that's nothing to sneeze at the, no. every team's got five starting pitchers if you're in that 
if you're in that tier, you've been doing something really, really well. Um, so yeah, it just just a reminder, and I think people might realize it. Oh man, what I was I was I mean I'm just going by ERA among qualified pitchers since his career started in 2015. Uh-huh. Um. Oh wait, no, let's filter down to starters. Then I'll be correct. and and, you know granted this is a long span of time now and there are some pitchers who have been really good who haven't fallen into that but of those guys who have been around for the same years that he has he has the 12th best era in baseball degrom is third it's kershaw scherzer degrom ryu rich hill granke verlander kluber bumgarner kyle hendricks Sale, Syndergaard, Arietta, Snell, Strasburg, Cole. That's 16. That That's the type of pitcher he is, including the struggles from the first half of this season. Can you imagine what a different list that would be if an earthquake took Los Angeles off the board? <laughs> so many Dodgers in that list, man. Yeah, either, either some or all of that time spent with the Dodgers. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. But... Yeah, it is. But yeah, I, I don't even want to go back to the refrain of Lucas Duda is capital G good. That's not <laughs> what Syndergaard is. Syndergaard is capital G great. Yeah. Yeah. He is he is and he I know he wasn't up until the all star break. Uh, he 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 had some gems, he had some stinkers, whatever. But just to be clear, we are talking about one of the best pitchers in baseball who just isn't as good as Jacob deGrom, who Marcus Stroman very adeptly said today. And I, I, I'll i buy it. I'll believe it. He's new. I'm excited, right? Yeah. But he said uh, over the last couple of years when he's asked who the best pitcher in baseball was, his answer was Jacob deGrom. Yeah. Which is the correct answer to give when you're meeting the press <laughs> yes. on Jacob deGrom's <laughs> team for the first time. But I'll buy it. I'll buy that he, he was uh, – he was believing it and and saying it. I'm 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 in. I don't think anybody's going to come out and be like, actually, he he used to hype up Kershaw to me. Like I don't I don't think that's going to come out. So I don't think so either. I'll take him at his word. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today. At LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. And so here's the thing, right? I think both of us thought the 2019 Mets were going to be a better team than they've been so far. And I think that both of us feel that Syndergaard is better than his first half. That Diaz is better than this season. 
I think we believe that Alonso, McNeil, and Conforto are for real. Yep. And if you believe those things, and you take with that DeGrom, and now you take with that Strowman, and you see what Seth Lugo has done this season. Seth Lugo last night, man. Amazing, right? Just amazing performance. Um, you take that core... I don't see why they can't be very good next year if they don't blow it up this offseason. Yeah. Some smart moves, fixing the bullpen. You can do these things, and they could be very good next season. And I know I sound like a Pollyanna when I say that, but, I mean, I just, I can't picture a better, I can't picture a better core to build around than what the Mets have right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I can imagine the the twenty seven Yankees, or whatever. But you know, you know what I'm saying. Like this is this is a great place to be. The Mets have not had this deep of a core in a very long time, and yet I don't think Mets fans, and I'll put myself in this category. I don't think we are as optimistic about the future as we should be. Do you agree with that? Mm, yeah, yeah, probably. There's, is that just Wilpon disgust or what? Yeah, it's like the opposite. The opposite, ugh, words. Uh, the opposite of <laughs> Stockholm syndrome is like the. Uh, I'm going to resist that entirely and be skeptical and negative about everything, <laughs> which I get. I I, I, I get it. It's coming from a good place, um, but it might be that. Yeah, I don't know. I think with Stroman, I mean, even if you. Even when Wheeler probably departs in free agency, I think with Stroman in place, you don't need to go out and sign a superstar to be your fifth starter. You know, and I also I don't think that Mats is gonna throw a Maddox complete game every every start from now on. But I think if if you if you think of of going out and signing a solid fourth fifth starter. And then you sign two or three other guys who can start if need be, add some actual starting pitching depth there, and you put together something that looks like an actual bullpen. I don't see why this team couldn't be very good next year. And, uh, you know, that excites me. And that's the good, that's what's weird about this, this deadline. I don't feel like any team this deadline changed their fortunes all that much, save the Astros, let's say. Like, the Braves got better today. The Braves did a lot of nice, small moves today. But the Braves were probably going to make the playoffs anyway. I don't know if what the Braves did made them National League favorites versus just National League East favorites right now, you know. Um, and but all these teams just made these these incremental improvements to make them better, not just for this season in some cases, but for the future. And I can't remember another trade deadline where teams were this wishy-washy about what the rest of the season holds. Yeah. I don't get it, but it's, it's fine. It's going to be fun. Um, are you a little surprised that uh, Todd Frazier still on that? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, he's another guy who was in a spot that I didn't really expect much of a return. But I kind of thought some team out there would want him. 
just as a veteran bench presence. Yeah, and I I felt like it was something the Mets could somewhat reasonably cover for. Obviously, it would help if Nimmo were healthy or if Juan Lagares could hit at all. <laughs> or if... Uh... <laughs> Or if they didn't go out and spend $20 million this offseason on somebody who hasn't suited up in a uniform yet. Yeah. Yeah, that would that would help cover for uh, for Frazier. Yeah. I'm, I'm sticking with it. I don't think Jed Lowry is going to play a game in a Mets uniform. <laughs> I was going to ask you, do you think that Jed Lowry or you want to Cespedes plays more games next season? Oh, Cespedes. <laughs> Is there any player you're less confident about than Lowry playing another game for the Mets? Um, I mean, like R.A. Dickey and Bartolo Colon. Oh, come on. They can come back. Well, yeah, no, of course. <laughs> of course they could. But, but yeah, no. Uh, and it's funny. I, I liked Lowry as a player for all these years. It's just been it's a situation that has resigned itself to nobody even asks about him anymore. I feel like people barely even ask about Nimmo, but <laughs> yeah, but yeah, no, it, um, maybe so he, we'll be ple- pleasantly surprised, but well, here's my Lowry question. If Lowry was healthy this spring, mm-hmm. would Pete Alonso have started the year at first base? Yeah, maybe not. Cause maybe, you know, maybe Fraser's getting time there. Alonzo's worth more than what they're paying Lowry. So if, if that is directly related, then I guess they did okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I really think that this is that if it was if it wasn't for Lowry being hurt, we Alonzo wouldn't come wouldn't have come up until the Super Two deadline. Yeah. Um and just think about how how much worse this season would be from a pure enjoyment level without Pete. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah, we were reminiscing in Slack about the um uh, the, the moment that we had it click for us that Alonzo might be for real as a major league power hitter. And I think I had said, oh, that home run in Miami. And somebody replied, that was his first one. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I didn't go back to double check it, but I assumed they, they said it confidently. So I assumed they were right. And it was just like, oh, okay, then I guess I uh, I stand by that answer, but it was just the the one to center field that just you went like whoa yeah. Yeah, on TV. It looked insanely impressive. Um, yeah, so yeah, I, I'm very glad. Even if this season ends nowhere near a wild card spot, I'm very glad that we will have had a full season of Pete Alonso. Yeah, I was actually my father-in-law and I were talking yesterday about this, about how. When you look back at the Cano signing, or the Cano trade, rather, the Cano trade really shows how little confidence the Mets had in McNeil or Alonso. Because if they really believe that McNeil was the player he was last season, you don't need Cano at second base. And that the refrain was always, well, when he gets too old for second base, he'll slide over to first. Well, if you believe that Alonso is all you think he is, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have Cano do that anyway. And so I wonder if I wonder if the Mets had better evaluated those two young players if that trade would have happened. Yeah. And I'm still not totally against the trade. I'm not saying that, but you know, it just it's really stark when you think about that for less money than they're paying Cano, 
they could have signed Kimbrell and Keichel. Still had Kalanick. It starts to look a little bit, a little bit less of a uh, of a good trade at the, right now. I'm not ready to give up on it yet, but it's yeah. a weird trade. I don't know. Yeah, and well, we'll see. Um, I'm still not. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I haven't. I haven't tapped out. <laughs> I haven't tapped out yet either. I really haven't. And I think that over the course of the next two or three years, Diaz could be worth the entire trade. Right. Oh yeah. You know I, what you said earlier in this episode. I certainly think he is better than what his stat line is in 2019 right now. I don't see how it could. I don't see how it couldn't be better than that. Yeah, yeah, better than really bad. But I, I, I still think he's really, really good too. <laughs> yeah, he's just he's had a combination of bad luck and just a really piss poor season. Yeah, and that's just how it is. Ready for an email? Yeah, let's do it. Please email us, folks. AAAudiopodcast at gmail like our friend Paul did. Paul said he's been listener for a while. And a Mets fan since 2015. He says that's a good year. He is correct. He says, I try to gauge opinion from a number of national sources to try and gain more knowledge about baseball overall and the various trades that could or will happen. One thing I have found in recent times is a lot of national press and television don't like the Mets. One example is Buster Only of ESPN, who does a daily podcast and is forever panning the Mets about the moves they make. The tweets slash articles he provides about Marcus Stroman's trade were deplorable. Do you ever feel protective that only Mets fans can have a go at the Mets? And when a national press figure thinks it's fair game, you feel obliged to say, hey, it's our team you're talking about. Keep up the good work, Paul. Uh, That's kind of like the little brother syndrome, right? Like, you can beat the shit out of your little brother, but if somebody else tries to, you stand up for him. (laughs) Right? Um, I, I definitely know what he means. Don't you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I get it. And I think coming from a perspective that we do, where we're all fans, and uh, we don't we don't hide that. You know, we're not uh, not that anybody else on the professional level is, uh, but we're openly Mets fans. So you you might come at it from that angle. I guess depending on the mood you're in. You know, if you're uh, if you're particularly angry at something they've done then then you might go along with it but yeah i will say i I don't have familiarity with uh the things only has done uh specifically so answering this in a very general sense but uh, one thing i come back to frequently is that you have some writers uh local, national, whatever, but professional, full-time writers who cover the sport sometimes try really, really hard to find the LOL Mets every step of the way, and you just don't have to force it. It's there. <laughs> like you'll, you'll get it, and you'll know that there will be moments that everybody agrees they should be criticized, uh, they should be mocked, but it's not every single thing they do. And I think that's important to remember. So the, yeah, 
uh, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole of naming specifics, but, but yeah, it, it's, I get it. Um, I don't know if it's for me, uh, not so much that I feel defensive of the team as much as I think that I approach every move they make with an open mind. And I think that familiarity of following with this team on a, on a day-to-day basis, um, you can kind of filter out, okay, this really is ridiculous. You know, Mickey Calloway and Jason Vargas going after Tim Healy verbally or threatening to go after him physically in the case of Vargas, that was a moment that there was clear consensus. Everybody in the league, everybody who's involved in covering this should be criticizing and mocking the Mets without any question. Uh, you have moments like that. You, but So I guess because we know them so well, we know when you should really go in on them. And in, in, the, case of the, in the case of the Stroman trade, you're essentially putting all your stock in a certain prospect evaluator, whoever it may be. Uh, and if you do that and, and you don't kind of just look at the broader view of everything – it's uh, you, you can fall into a trap of of thinking they did something really stupid, and I just don't see how the the Stroman trade would fall into that category. Yeah, I, you know, I'm of two minds about this. On one hand, I definitely know that defensive posture that you take when someone's shitting all over the Mets. I tend to get that when people are shitting over things like Chris said that aren't ridiculous or that. Every team does. Like, the Bobby Bonilla Day thing is tired and we should all stop talking about it. Especially right. oh, because yeah. so, many, so many teams do that. But every year that's a big LOL Mets day, right? But that's a, that's a very common practice. And just because Bobby Bonilla is a funny target for that, it becomes about the Mets. But that's not a Mets-related thing. But everybody does that. And then I definitely get defensive and feel like, you know, we'll talk about all the other contracts that were handed out that way. You know, and then I get a little bit defensive. But I will say this. I think that sometimes we take things, we being Mets fans, not as seriously as maybe we should because we've been desensitized to all the insane bullshit that happens around us. Yeah, that, that could be true. You know, and so I think sometimes like having an impartial outsider look at this and say, like, puts a like fucked up stamp on something, like and shows us like, you know, this is this is really right. a problem. I think that that's useful sometimes because we get so caught up in it that we fail to see what is bullshit and what is not bullshit. Um, yeah. So I can see it both ways. But I will say this. I will say that, you know, the Mets made the World Series not that long ago, and it only took writers and fans like a minute after the World Series to start picking on the Mets again. So I don't think that there's anything the Mets can do that will necessarily stop them from being the LOL Mets of the, uh, like the laughing stock of baseball until there is like continued success or the Wilpon sell the team. And I think that as crazy as this is to say, the Mets have a better chance at sustained success in the next five years than they do over the Wilpon selling the team. So let's hope for some success. Yeah, <laughs> please. <laughs> please. 
Well, Chris, what's your music pick for this week? Oh, yeah. Music pick. Okay. Do you want me to go first? Uh, uh, I have one, but it might be a repetition of an earlier one. So, yeah, you go first while I try to figure that out. If you search the name of the band on Amazing Avenue, you should be able to figure it out. Yeah. All right. I'll do that while you do yours. Okay. So, um... I am a big fan of Lou Barlow. He is the bass player for Dennis Ward Jr. He's the leader of Sebado. I had a chance to go see him on Saturday night. I didn't, and I didn't for good, like, I wanted to be home with my kids reasons, but I have regretted it every minute ever since. Um, but he has done this really, really cool thing. It's, it's not an album, and it's not something that you can just, like, go out and listen to, but... Uh, his record label is called Joyful Noise, and they're doing this thing. They're called the Artist Enabler Program. And so for five bucks a month, you get exclusive songs from Lou Barlow every month delivered to you. Um, and so the first installment came out this week, and it's four songs, and all four songs are really, really good. And then he also put up all the demos for those songs, so you can see how the songs sort of evolved from their original form into what they are now. Uh, next month is supposedly a bunch of older songs that like uh, he had made in the early 80s. It's just a really cool way to engage with a musician and to support the musician directly. You know, There's something like 100 members of this club already. And so that's 500 bucks a month. That, you know, obviously the label's taking some of that, but Lou Barlow's getting, you know, a couple hundred bucks a month from his fans directly. And that doesn't sound like a ton of money, but for an, an artist out there, four or $500 every month could make or break a lot of things that can pay a lot of bills and uh in this time when it seems like the big pop stars are getting bigger and bigger and everybody else is suffering it's nice to see a situation put out there where an artist can interact directly with their fans give their fans something really cool and and be supportive for their creativity it's basically like patreon for a musician. Um, but if you don't know Lou Barlow's music and you want to know the type of music that he is putting out, I would say that this is um, very similar to the last full-length solo album he did, which came out in 2015. Excuse me. It's called Brace the Wave. It's fantastic. There's a song called Moving on it that I think is just like, one of my favorite songs of the decade. And... Um, yeah, they're, they're, there's great songs, and uh, the money's going. I think they said there, there's some insane percentage of the money going directly to Lou Barlow. Is it 90% of the money goes directly to him? Um, which is just, an, again, a, a great thing to be able to, uh, to do for an artist you enjoy. So check out Lou Barlow's Brace the Wave, and sorry, 95% of the money goes directly to Lou. So that's a pretty great percentage. So um, check out Brace the Wave. If you like that, consider throwing five bucks a month to this guy for him to create new music for you and for me. That's my piece. Chris, what's your pick this week? Uh, so I'm just going to go with what is on my record player right now. And uh, it's, it's not breaking news <laughs> for anybody. <laughs> Uh, I don't think, or maybe it is. Uh, okay, I, I shouldn't say for anybody, but uh, yeah, Iggy and the Stooges, Fun House. Um, it's one of the best records of all time. It's a, I feel like it's a lazy recommendation coming from me, but that's okay because 
every time I go back and listen to it, it's just like, why don't I listen to this record literally every day? It is, <laughs> it is just so good. Um, and that there's just a, I don't know. I, I, I feel like Iggy and I feel like the Stooges are properly appreciated, but sometimes I feel like that record doesn't quite get up there into the ranks of where it should. Um, in terms of just the overall history of rock, uh, the history of, uh, you know, recorded music, uh, of any genre over the last hundred, hundred plus years. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just listen to it. Listen to it a lot. Listen to it loud. Yeah. That, that's a, certainly one of the requirements, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think that's the oldest recommendation I've made at this point, but it's still, it's, I'm going to say it's probably better than every other recommendation I've made. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, yeah, it it is sort of the Holy grail of everything that I think a band should seek to be, uh, the, the mix of being able to be that heavy, loud, fast sound, but still have a groove uh, that you would, you know, that that you might think of a a, a different genre, uh, whether it was rock or, or another one entirely. But to just have that that drive behind everything, and still be loud and noisy, and doing crazy shit. Um, I feel like the likelihood of everybody listening to this record already is high, but if, I don't know but if you're about listening, that. May, yeah, maybe not. But whether you already know it and you like it or love it, like I do, and maybe it's been a little while since you put it on, go do that today. And if you've never heard it before, uh, you know, shut off everything else and just either, you know, get some really nice headphones or a proper stereo or whatever, whatever you got and just listen to it and don't do anything else. Yeah. I'll actually say, while a nice set of headphones is nice, I feel like there is so much just pardon the reference raw power in the stooges (laughs) that it'll get by like on a shitty transistor radio too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it, it will. It will. Listen to it in any format uh, the first time. And then as you get into it, give it a, each one of those types of things where you can sort of hear it all. Um, and then if you really want to take a deep dive, if you already know it and you haven't been exposed, there's the Complete Funhouse Sessions, which is everything they recorded, every take, Um it's just this massive box set that I I never owned it physically, but it, it's out there on the streaming services now too. And um, you know, I found a copy of it to download back then when it was almost impossible to find a physical copy of it. Um, so if you if you already love it, or if you listen to it a few times and then you want to hear how the record was made, you can hear every take of every song. For nerds like us, that is heaven. Oh yeah, and. Uh, yeah, certain things come out like I forget if it's TV. I think it was TVI 
where the one that's on the record was take 13. <laughs> and the, the, the timing of the vocals at the beginning of it uh, had been different for the first 12. And then on take 13, they they just altered it just a little bit. And then it was like, yeah, that was it. They, they changed one thing and the first time, the first take after they changed that sequence wound up being the one that made the record. So things like that are fascinating. So yeah, there you go. That's Funhouse, just the record. And then if you're really into it, go listen to the takes and all that. Uh, I think it's, it gives you as good an idea how it got to be the album that it is as if there had been a, you know, documentary crew there. So, uh, I, I am typically somebody who's not very fast on their feet. I often think about the perfect thing to say like a month later, right? But I was in college, I was at a party, and somebody put on Dave Matthews Band, which is a crime. Uh, <laughs> that's the whole other story. And somebody said like, oh, Dave Matthews Band, when the fuck has there ever been a good band with a saxophone player? And I said, the Stooges. And the guy looked at me and was like, Oh god damn it, you're right. <laughs> like he was he was defeated that he hadn't thought of the studios before I said it. So that's like the one time in my life I have said something quick that was uh universally praised by those who heard it. So yes. The Stooges make saxophone cool. Yeah. Yes they did. <laughs> well, uh thank you all for listening. You made tonight cool. That's so fucking lame. I can't believe I said that out loud. Oh god damn it. Anyway, the Mets have Marcus Stroman. This is a good thing. Go to AmazingAvenue.com. You can read the fruits of our labors for the past 72 or so hours. We've been furiously writing about trades and rumors. Our staff did an amazing job, so thank you, everybody. You can also hear all of our amazing podcasts at AmazingAvenue.com or on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Wherever you get your podcasts, you can find us there, I assure you. Uh, you can find Mason Avenue on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Amazing Avenue. Chris is at Chris McShane. I'm at Brian Needs a Nap. Both of those are on Twitter. And uh, until next time, let's go Mets. Mm-hmm.